0: Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry, on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw.
1: ourselves uneasy sometimes we find ourselves even fearful in the midst of the belief and for those feelings for us to feel those things I believe that's only natural and when I say natural I put natural in quotation marks because it's the natural man that feels those things, because of the limitations of our humanity, because we don't have power over all things, because we don't have knowledge over all things. Therefore, in our natural state, sometimes our world does get rocked.
0: Have you ever found yourself in that place, feeling overwhelmed by all the things you can't control? Anyone who's honest with themselves has been there, or will find themselves there at some point in their life. As humans, we're weak and extremely limited. This reality has been made even more clear by the events we've endured this year. As Pastor David continues our study of Acts, we'll be reminded that God is in control, and we can either struggle against Him or find rest in Him. Here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 21 as he begins his message, A Divided Grace.
1: at kind uh, of some passages that I hope are going to cause you to really consider, really kind of question where you're at in your walk in Christ. And really, whenever we come to the Word, we ought to have those same kind of things happening, going, how does that Word impact my life, where I'm at right now? What is, what's going on in my life? What experiences over the last week or month or whatever it is in my life that I need to take how this Word again, impacts me and works in me. Some of the things that we're going to look at today are, uh, might be a little bit of a... Uh, um stretch from what you've normally thought about or what you've normally seen in the word and that's okay because I'm praying that as we look at this particular section of scripture that you will be stretched that you will uh, again have that open mind that understanding of what God is speaking to you in particular in this passage we are in the book of acts as we've been going verse by verse chapter by chapter through the book of acts for a while now we're actually in acts chapter 21 we'll begin actually in uh verse 15 as far as the passage we'll be looking at today. But all too often, though, we we read through a passage of Scripture, and sometimes there's small little things within a particular passage that we just kind of glance over. We just kind of keep going over rather than stopping and pausing and considering. Because a lot of times when we glance over these small little things, we actually miss the depth of the bigger story that it's leading up to, and that's kind of where we're at this morning. Kind of what we're going to be looking at. Something that might, uh, at, at at first glance or as a casual reading, may not seem like too big of a thing. But again, as we look at it today, we're going to hopefully see a little bit different. I I I know that the word of God is powerful. It's inerrant. I know that it's inspired by the Scripture, but. I don't know about you but I believe you're probably not too much different than I am that there's sometimes we read the word of God and what the Holy Spirit is speaking through the word of God can be maybe a little bit confusing to us. We we look at this and man this, this is a difficult passage. Peter himself said that many of the things that Paul wrote they are difficult things to to understand. Sometimes uh, it appears that what God is doing in the world in his creation and in his plan even in his people might seem to be a little bit messy as we look at this. Have you noticed as you've read the Word of God, not everything is just all nice and neat and clean. I love it when God, through the Holy Spirit, causes the writers of the Word of God to bring out the scars, the warts, the stains, and all. Amen? It kind of helps us kind of connect because with our scars and our warts and our stains, we can kind of see, okay, gosh, if God could use someone like that Maybe, just maybe, he might be able to use me. And so as we look at the word today, we're going to, again, hopefully see that, uh, uh, that he's going to reveal to us, again, sometimes our limited understanding. And sometimes as we look at the word, he kind of brings our mortal, temporary minds into a bit of a quandary. It's an established fact that we know as believers that God himself is omniscient. He knows all things, past, present, and future. And that that itself is just a mind-blower. To understand and know that that he sees a hundred years from now clearer than you and I see right now. I mean, let's face it, and I've shared this with you before, I know, but I think it's something worth repeating over and over and over. We see today... But we don't see all of today. We see just this temporary moment in time today. As far as yesterday goes, we have a a vague memory of yesterday. And the older I get, the vaguer that memory of yesterday is. Sometimes I paint it a whole lot different than it really was. But we have no idea what tomorrow is. As a matter of fact, we have no idea what this afternoon is. I guarantee you, you know, most of us have made plans. Uh, we, we've thought, hey, this afternoon is a beautiful day. Let's do this, this, and this. But you know what? As you walk out this building, that may change totally. We don't know what tomorrow is, but our God does. Amen. The other thing that we know about God is that he is omnipotent. And that's just a big word to say that he has power, he has authority over all things all of his creation and everything within his creation and yes even he has power over every event in life and sometimes we look at life and we think gosh where was god in the midst of that how did that happen But we need to understand that our God, who is the great God of all gods, King of all kings, creator of all things, sustainer of all things, he has ability and power over all things and all events. And when I come to that understanding, regardless if I know what's going on right now, regardless if I'm comfortable or uncomfortable with that, then that gives me actually a stronger foundation to stand on when my world is rocked. That I can know for certain that God is absolutely aware of all that's going on. He has control over all that's going on. And again, as we believe God, as we trust God, many times we don't understand what God's doing We find ourselves uneasy, sometimes we find ourselves even fearful in the midst of the belief and for those feelings, for us to feel those things, I believe that's only natural. And when I say natural, I put natural in quotation marks because it's the natural man that feels those things because of the limitations of our humanity, because we don't have power over all things, because we don't have knowledge over all things. Therefore, in our natural state, sometimes our world Does get rocked. And that's why the Word tells us, that's why the Lord tells us, that's why the Spirit reminds us that we have to be people who are walking in faith. If we're only walking in sight and in what we understand and know, Guys, our lives are going to be rocked up and down, back and forth, shaken and rattled, put through the uh, blender and, and thrown out because we don't have power, because we don't have knowledge. But our God, who has knowledge, who has power, is the one who sustains us. The word tells us that without faith, it is really difficult to please God. Amen? What does it say? Impossible. It's not difficult to please God. Without faith, the Word tells us, it is impossible for us to please God. That's why we have to have faith. If you're walking through life and you think, well, this I can have faith for, but this over here I really can't have faith for, I have a really hard time, then you know what? The Word says that it's impossible to please God without faith. We are called to be people of faith. Your salvation, your eternity is based on your faith in that completed work of Jesus Christ. Not in your abilities, not in your strength, not in your actions or works. It is based on the grace of God and the faith that you have of what God is doing through his grace. We're looking, as I said, at chapter 21, the book of Acts, and we're going to see an event that happens in the life of Paul here that, uh, for me, kind of brings all these things to the forefront. And uh, we're going to first off take a take a look at, at a large portion of this scripture today. We're going to read through a greater portion than we're going to actually study today. But I, I want to kind of pull everything in the context. After we read all that, then we'll go back and look a little bit closer at a portion of it. But before we get into the passage, I want to remind you that Paul had just was just finishing his third missionary journey. Uh, as he arrives, he had he had been in Greece. He had been in Macedonia he had been in Asia Minor uh, and as he's coming into Jerusalem finishing up this third missionary journey he brings with him several men from around that whole area as a matter of fact last a uh, couple of weeks ago we looked at chapter 20 and in verse 4 Luke tells us the names and where these men came from of those that are traveling with with Paul if you've got your Bibles in and you're at uh, verse 21 or at chapter 21 one, just go to the left over to chapter 20, and it's kind of amazing how I knew where 20 was in your Bible, huh? (laughs) Uh, Anyway, uh, down in verse 4, Luke tells us that Sophater of Berea accompanied Paul to Asia, also Aristarchus and Secundus of the Thessalonians, and Gaius of Derbe, and Timothy, and Tychus, and Trophimus of Asia. So with the exception of Timothy, Uh, All of these men, including Luke, the writer of this book, they were Gentile. They were Gentile believers. But even Timothy, he was half Gentile and half Jew. His father was a Gentile. Uh, Paul did have him circumcised at the beginning of the journey with Timothy. But Timothy, again, had that Gentile blood in him. Eight men that are traveling with the Apostle Paul as he heads down toward Jerusalem, or actually up to Jerusalem. They stop in the city of Caesarea. We looked at that last week. They stayed at the house of Philip the evangelist and they stayed there for many days. And as that third missionary journey was ending, Paul had already received through his entire time of coming back to Jerusalem. He had received all of these warnings uh, uh, that that, that once he arrived in Jerusalem, he was going to be arrested and he was going to be imprisoned. We looked at earlier on about Agabus, the the prophet that had come to Caesarea. And there he took Paul's belt and uh, Agabus bound his own hands and his own feet. And he said, thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. So Paul understands completely the, the, the truth of the reality that once he gets to Jerusalem, it's not going to be a pretty picture. He doesn't know yet how it's all going to work out, but he understands that when he gets there, there's going to be some physical danger, some physical suffering that's going to be incorporated in it. And yet in the midst of that, Paul still, because he has this secure foundation of the reality of who God is in his life, he can still say with boldness yet in humility he can still say, I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Guys, you cannot say that. We cannot say that. We can't even begin to say that unless we have that true, strong foundation of faith in the, again, the omniscience and the omnipotence of a great and a mighty God who is in control of every aspect of our lives. He knows the number of heartbeats we have. The word says he, ha- he knows even the numbers of the hair on our heads, and we won't go into that portion. But uh, anyway, <laughs> let's look at the background of the text this, this morning. Uh, the, the passage is moving in Acts chapter 21. We're going to begin in verse 15. And after those days, Luke writes, we packed and we went up to Jerusalem. Also, some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us and brought with them a certain uh, Manassan of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we were to lodge. And when we came to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. Verse 18, on the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. When he had greeted them, he told in detail those things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. Verse 20, When they heard it, they glorified the Lord. And they said to him, You see, brother, how many myriads of Jews there are who have believed, and they are all zealous for the law. But they have been informed about you that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, nor to walk according to the customs. What then? The assembly must certainly meet, for they will hear that you have come. Verse 22, therefore, do what we tell you. We have four men who have taken a vow. Take them and be purified with them and pray their, and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads and that all may know that those things of which they were informed concerning you are not nothing, but that you yourself also walk orderly and keep the law. Verse 25, but concerning the Gentiles who believe, we have written and decided that they should observe no such thing except that they should keep themselves from the things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. And then Paul took the men, and the next day, having been purified with them, he entered the temple to announce the expiration of the days of purification, at which time an offering should be made for each one of them. Now, when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, men of Israel, help. This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against the people, the law, and this place. And furthermore, he has also brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously previously seen, Trophimus, the Ephesian, with him in the city, whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. And all the city was disturbed, and the people ran together. They seized Paul. They dragged him out of the temple, and immediately the temple doors were shut. So as Luke writes this narrative, he goes on to tell how, again, literally the crowd there almost begins to tear Paul apart, the Roman commander. He sees what's going on. He grabs his forces, goes down, uh, rescues Paul from the Jews, and in essence, uh, puts Paul in protective custody. Actually, he sets, at this point in time, The whole stage for the fulfillment that Paul was going to go and preach the gospel in Rome. And as a matter of fact, the whole rest of the book of Acts, on to chapter 28, from here to that point, is the whole layout of the events of Paul going to uh, Rome, preaching the gospel there. Uh, And again, as we look at that, we, we see that, first of all, we see again among the men that were with Paul earlier on as he. Goes into the elders. There were some disciples from Caesarea. We don't know how many, but with them was a, a certain uh, man, uh, Manassin of Cyprus, and Luke tells us he was an early disciple. Now, some have speculated that uh, Manassin uh, was either came to Christ as Paul on his first missionary journey. Remember, he and Barnabas stopped at the island of Cyprus, and maybe it was there that Manassan came to the Lord. Others have speculated that Manassan could have, though he was born in Cyprus, could have been living, staying in Jerusalem or was in Jerusalem during the days of Pentecost, that first Pentecost, again, some 20 years prior to this, and came to a saving knowledge of Christ at that point in time. Whatever the case, he's now, again, a, a believer. He's opened his... His house and the whole missionary team are now going to be staying at Manassan's house in back up in verse 17 through 19 we get kind of a quick overview of of uh, the whole team's initial meeting with James as the head of the church, that's the brother, uh, the half brother of Jesus, uh, and all the elders of the church. You'll notice that none of the apostles are mentioned here. By this time, some 20 years later, after the Day of Pentecost, after some persecution that had taken a, uh, uh, taken place during those earlier years, uh, most all of the apostles had spread out from there, different ministries, different areas that they're serving. But here in verse 17, uh, it speaks that when we had come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. In other words, uh, the other Christians that were there, they, they received them gladly. On the following day, then, Paul went in uh, to James, and the elder, elders were present. Apparently, that first day when they got there, they didn't have a whole lot of time. They just received them. Hey, we're glad you're here. Maybe it was late in the day. We just don't know. But no, n- not much took place. The next day, that's when all the business took place. They came in with the missionary report to James and to all of the elders. Again, as, as they share these things, Luke tells us that the team, along with Paul, had the opportunity to meet with the leadership. Paul was able to share with them, uh, as Luke tells us in detail, about those things which God had done among the Gentiles through his Ministry. Now, undoubtedly, he was able to, as these other men were with him, he was able to point to their lives and kind of share their lives as a testimony of the power of God and uh, how God is able to touch and, and change lives, even in Gentile lives. Just like he has done with the Jews, because again, as Paul administered to the Gentiles, this was something that was outside the, 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 the even the concept that most Jews could understand. Because most Jews, you know, they they knew that they were God's people. They, but anybody else, no, no, we are God's people. Now Paul is there telling them the Holy Spirit is touched, he's changed, he's brought them in again to the kingdom of faith. And so as James and these elders hear Paul's account, uh, probably even hearing testimonies from these men themselves, Luke tells us that when they heard this, they, they glorified the Lord. They, 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 they were excited, they, they gave glory and honor and praise to the Lord. But then right here, as we look at this, we're gonna see something that, well, to be honest with you, really for the first time as I read this in preparation for this study, something came out to me, something jumped out at me. It's kinda like it was bold, underlined, and italicized, and it just kinda jumped out. I've talked through Acts before. I've read Acts many times, but this time as I looked at this, something came out that, again, really got my attention. When James and the elders heard what God had been doing in these Gentile lives, actually a fulfillment of Jesus saying that you will be my witnesses even to the uttermost parts of the world, an actual fulfillment of that, Luke tells us there in verse 20, when they heard it, they glorified the Lord. And then, in what seems to be almost the the, the very same breath, the whole conversation changes directions immediately. Instead of continuing on and speaking about the good work of the Spirit of God in the lives of these Gentiles, James and the elders, or the leaders there in Jerusalem, they suddenly, and I believe very dramatically, changed the conversation. Look at it again, because I really want you to catch this. Verse 20, and when they heard it, they glorified the Lord, period. I believe that's a really strong, powerful period right there. Because then it says... And they said to him, how exciting it is that the Gentiles are coming to the Lord. No, that's not what they said at all. They've changed directions. They said to him, you see, brother, how many myriads of Jews there are who have believed, and they are all, what, zealous for the Lord, for the law.
0: That's all we have time for on today's edition of The Open Word. Pastor David has been teaching through the book of Acts, introducing you to the early church and how they were radically changed by an encounter with the Holy Spirit. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to let you know how you can listen to more editions of The Open Word. Here's Pastor
1: David. I'm so glad you tuned in today to The Open Word. As you know, this broadcast is meant to share with you the hope, grace, and love that can only be found through Jesus Christ. Would you like to listen to more of them? Well, just visit theopenword.com. You'll be directed to our Facebook page where we're adding all of my previous messages for you to listen to for free. Be sure to like and follow that page and feel free to share it with your friends. That website, again, is theopenword.com.
0: Thanks, Pastor David. We'd like to take a moment before we close and ask you to consider partnering with us here at The Open Word. Would you pray for us and for our listeners? We know the enemy attempts to hinder the truth of the gospel from being spread. He will stop at no cost to prevent even one heart from turning to Jesus. Thanks for partnering with us in this and thanks for listening to The Open Word. Do you live in Casa Grande? If so, we'd love to meet you. Come join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande on Saturday at 6.30 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Directions can be found at TheOpenWord.com That's all for today. Thanks again for tuning in and for praying for the open word.